From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, hell yes, Mr. Rob Brook. Thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives. This is the podcast I do uh, every uh, every three or four days just to keep my mind right. Or, you know, at least uh, get some things off my mind that have been on my mind. Thank you for downloading it once again as I record this early Monday morning. I usually do this like Sunday and Wednesday nights. I fell asleep Sunday night because uh, just tired. Uh, you know, watching all that football this past weekend and uh, get to my thoughts on all that in mere moments. Uh, big R.I.P. from this week. David Crosby has uh, finally passed on, uh, you know, in his uh, early 80s. Part of Crosby, Stills, Nash, Sometimes Young. A pretty decent songwriter. Uh, and, of course, would open up his mouth about politics, and I would disagree about a lot of stuff. But the dude had a legacy. Uh, some uh, One thing I got to commend him for, though, uh, is, like, he had two guest spots on The Simpsons back when uh, being a guest star on The Simpsons was actually funny and not just something you check off as a uh, as a Hollywood resume type of thing. But both his appearances were funny. Of course, both of his appearances uh, kind of took digs at some of his substance abuse issues in the years past, but uh, they were both very, very funny. Um, and he's also, uh, the surrogate dad to one of Melissa Etheridge's kids, which a lot of us, when we found out about that, because, you know, you know, if, uh, if a lesbian couple wants to have a kid, they have to find someone to donate the ingredients to make that kid. And, you know, you, you kind of have your pick of the litter, so to speak. And for whatever reason, they went with, well, David Crosby, far from Adonis. Gifted songwriter. I guess that's why they went with him because okay, yeah, artistic. We want our kid to be artistic. Uh, but uh, definitely a big legacy music-wise, and uh, R.I.P. to him. And but both him and Jeff Beck gone before the end of January. Not looking to be a good year for rock stars. Um, rock star royalty. We we um, mentioned that Lisa Marie Presley died last week. Heart attack. And uh, it's it's just kind of sad because, you know, uh, her dad's gone. Her son passed on before she did. And uh, Priscilla Presley uh, uh, talked about how her daughter would be buried at Graceland next to her son. And Priscilla, I mean, was Lisa Marie Presley's mom. So you got to think she's pretty despondent. But uh, Lisa Marie Presley got kind of a send-off uh, that... Uh, they, Lance Morissette sung at her funeral. Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, also sung. And Axl Rose did a rendition of uh, November Rain in her honor. I mean, that's uh, that's quite an all-star send-off there. But uh, that's we don't have royalty here in these here United States, thank God. Uh, we have some pretenders like the Kardashians. Uh, the Presley family... Kind of that quiet royalty because whether uh, after that whole marriage thing with Michael Jackson, you really didn't hear too much from Melissa Marie Presley. They weren't in the headlines as much, but I mean Elvis was called the king, and this was a royal send off. It was very nice uh, uh, of all these uh, musicians to do that, especially Axel, given that Axel is pretty much known as a curmudgeon in the rock industry. Uh, but still very cool. Uh, Jeremy Renner update. The dude is at home. The dude is rehabbing. 
And, uh, you know, he's lucky to be alive after what happened to him earlier this month. Uh, but he, I guess he broke broke 30 bones after that whole snowcat thing. 30. GM Chrysler, man. Uh, you know, I, I bruised my knee against a nightstand the other night in the dark. And it hurts like hell every now and again. Like, it's kind of like this dull, persistent ache if I stand on it too long. Uh, I, I ain't going to stop bitching about that uh, because it's nowhere close to breaking 30 damn bones in uh, in my body. Hopefully he recovers. I know he's got that show on Paramount Plus uh, that just kicked off its second season. And I'm sure if it's a success, they'll want him back for season three. And I'm sure uh, he might make an appearance or two in the uh, Marvel Universe. They, they could use him given how bad Phase 4 has been. Um, but, uh, yeah, a speedy recovery to Jeremy Renner back at home, trying to recoup some of his muscles and uh, get moving again. But he's, you know, I knock a lot of celebrities for sharing everything on social media, and I think you can overshare. But uh, the fact that he's giving kudos to his family for helping recoup, uh, and the fact that he's being open about his injuries, it kind of bypasses some of the uh, the Hollywood uh, gossip mag saying, oh, you know, Jeremy Renner's going to lose his leg. Oh, no, Jeremy Renner's going to die. And, and he's just like, and he could have died uh, from the things that I saw and read. But he's already at home and he's rehabbing. And it just kind of it cuts out the middleman and lets his fans know what's going on. Now, that stuff is cool. The, the politics, uh, the sex lives, the uh, what, what color underwear I'm wearing, um, uh, my favorite pasta of all time, eh, you know, that, that stuff gets boring. So the NFL uh, Final Four, as it were, the conference championships are set, and it's going to be the 49ers traveling to Philadelphia, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, the Eagles. That's going to be a good game. Uh, Brock Purdy uh, continues to roll. He didn't have a really good game yesterday, but then again, he had a better game than uh, Dak Prescott and, uh, you know, uh, as far as Cowboys players go, I, I do like Dak. He seemed like a genuinely decent dude, but that was just a garbage game. And you, you got to wonder how much longer Jerry Jones is going to stick with him as starter. I mean, I could say Mike McCarthy, but let's be honest, Jerry Jones. Uh, it just like after a great game against Tampa, it was just uh, very frustrating to watch that dude play. Uh, and, you know, it, that was, it was frustrating to watch Brock Purdy play. It was such a defensive game, but that George Kittle catch midfield, that that was amazing. And I was just like, well, how the hell did he do that? That was, a, that was a game changer. So they're going off to Philadelphia, who just crushed the New York Giants. And I said uh, that I, you know, I I predicted both of those teams, the 49ers and the Eagles, to win. But I thought it would be a lot closer, that Eagles-Giants game. But Jesus Louise, the Eagles just smashed the Giants. It was not even close. I dozed during that game, much like I did the, uh, the Jaguars-Chargers game, but uh, there wasn't a surprise outcome in that one, aside from being crushed. And then uh, you're looking ahead in the AFC. You got the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they rolled as well as Patrick Mahomes' ankle. See what I did there? Uh, they won their game Saturday against the Jaguars. That game was a little tougher um, uh, than uh, people thought. Um, but, uh, you know, even before the ankle injury and everything, I, you know, Ch there was a play where, uh, 
Patrick Mahomes just was in the pocket and he threw as the pocket was collapsing. I mean, he had like inches to move. And he threw it midfield to Travis Kelsey, who, you know, he's a big dude himself. Uh, and he got hit like by two guys and held on. And it, it was such a beautiful play. This was, again, before uh, before the, uh, the, the injury to uh, Mahomes. It, I, I was just like, my God, th- those guys are such a great unlikely pairing. And those de- guys are both definitely going to Canton. But uh, Mahomes came back in the game after the ankle injury. And uh, he played tough. He played tough. So he and his team are going to host, host, H-O-S-T. It's going to be in Kansas City. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I predicted the Bills to win that one. Um, I think a lot of people uh, thought it was going to be a shootout because Josh Allen can have big games. He did not have a big game at home in the snow this time around. I, and uh, it def- I, I'm baffled by it, too. But Joe Burrow, cool under pressure. He and the Cincinnati Siberian Tigers are going to be in Kansas City playing. And as much as it sucks for Bills fans, I am glad that there will not be a neutral site game for this one. Kansas City has earned that number one seed. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to play in Kansas City. Uh, despite all the hullabaloo between uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo with the uh, DeMar Hamlin thing a few weeks back. And there was a bunch of editorials about this neutral site game, and uh, they kind of suggested that Roger Goodell was giddy about the idea of trying this out and making this a new norm for conference championships. And I think it would have been a huge crime for a team like the Chiefs uh, because they they have a great fan base. I mean, I'm not a Chiefs fan, but they have a great fan base. I, in fact, watching NBC, uh, uh, they did an aerial view. The parking lot was not open. The drive was just packed with cars, and they were tailgating before they tailgated to get into the place. This was an all-day event for Chiefs fans. They, You couldn't do this in Atlanta. I mean, you maybe? I don't know. Uh, but, like, the, the thinking is... Okay, because uh, the Bills and the Bengals are robbed again, we couldn't settle this out right. We're going to have this neutral site game, and we're going to sell all these tickets, and it'll be 50-50. It'll be great, which defeats the whole purpose of being a number one seed. And think about it. If you're a Chiefs fan, you know, you, you suffered through some terrible Chiefs teams uh, for, like, decades. Now you got Patrick Mahomes. Now you got Travis Kelsey. Now you got Andy Reid coaching you. you got a great team, and they did well during the regular season. They secured that number one seed. They took care of business against the Jags. There was a chance that you wouldn't be able to see that team work so hard for that one seed and to uh, uh, to, to do as well as they did, not host that game. And you, as a Chiefs fan, robbed of the opportunity of seeing that game up close and live. Now, keep in mind, Cincinnati beat them in Kansas City last year. So uh, we'll see what happens Sunday. Um, between those two teams. But, you know, I got to thinking, and Goodell is thinking about this. You know he is. Uh, you know, you never let a crisis go to waste if you can exploit it, exploit it. But, it, you know, he's probably thinking maybe we could do this neutral side thing for both AFC and NFC and maybe get to bigger markets like New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or whatever, or listen to this, London. But, yeah, because... That would be his thing, is like you have two good teams playing in a different market 
different eyes globally making it an event you'd think he's probably thinking this right now I, I and this is um kind of something i kind of went uh suggested with uh, my old days of radio the, when you want to succeed you appease you appeal to your p1s your primary audience they're no longer thinking about their primary audience they're thinking about the global audience and that's uh kind of the what, what reason why things are the way they are in the NFL. They want to appeal to this global audience that has no vested interest in a uh, sport that is ingrained in our culture. Much like uh, a lot of uh, movies and television shows are kind of going that way. They want to be global. They want to appeal to uh, the masses. Even though the primary um, audience was America back in the day, and the fact that it these movies went global anyway and found audiences was secondary. And just because people were fascinated with our culture and people were like, well, that's kind of cool. But now, now it's all about being global. And so if Goodell could, he will move these games to foreign countries because there's more, um, more money to be made there. But it's a dumb idea. And like I said, Kansas City, Cincinnati... Bengals won in a hostile environment before in Kansas City. They won and won uh, in Buffalo this past weekend. Should be a good game. And uh, we make our way on to Super Bowl 57. Uh, you know, and when I see this, you know, 15 years ago, uh, was it 16 years ago? I don't know. Time flies. But it's been a long time. Uh, you know, Tony Dungy, coached the Indianapolis Colts to their only Super Bowl win in the Indianapolis era. And it was a beautiful thing. He became the first African-American coach to uh, to do so. It, it was either going to be him or Lovey Smith. I mean, and it, this is one of those things where history kind of takes care of itself. You don't need the media to frame it for you. And when uh, the coaches do win... Uh, it's a beautiful thing, but uh, one thing I liked about Tony Dungy was like, uh, even though some of the people in the media had tried to make it about that, he made it more about his his uh, team and their efforts. Because I mean, you, you need the players and the and, and the plan to get there and to win it all, and you need some other things to happen for you. And it did. And he's also a very Christian guy. This is not a religious podcast, by the way. I don't know if you can pick up on some of the things I've talked about, but, uh, you know, he's he's his own dude. And uh, in in today's society, it's hard to be your own dude. Really is, because uh, there's kind of this Spanish Inquisition mentality and uh, cancel culture mentality. Now, cancel culture has always existed in some form or fashion on the left or the right. You know, if somebody gets uncomfortable with an idea, rather than just saying it's a bad idea or, well, here's why I disagree and it's stupid, they have to get rid of the source of that bad idea. And that brings me to this uh, a-hole that writes for the Indianapolis Star by the name of Greg Doyle, who is very self-righteous, very uh, uh, hoity, uh, he, uh, he's not a big fan of religion, it looks like. He's not a big fan of Tony Dungy's stance on uh, things like gay marriage and uh, traditional values and all that stuff, which in itself is fine. I mean, I don't expect people to agree with Tony Dungy. Before I go uh, at first in this, let me, let me let make you understand something. Tony Dungy probably wouldn't approve of a lot of things in my life. All right, uh, He's a traditional values kind of guy. 
Uh, he probably would frown upon the fact that my wife and I lived together for about two years before getting married, and uh, we didn't have separate beds or separate rooms. Okay. That doesn't mean I dislike Tony Dungy any less. I, he, like I said, he seems like a decent dude. And, uh, you know, he's a great coach. He was a great coach. But uh, he got into some trouble, and I'm doing the air quotes thing, trouble, because uh, I guess uh, his Twitter account, he tweets, by the way. It's not just his Twitter account doing the thinking. He does the thinking, but uh, his Twitter account, uh, it follows the Daily Wire, which is a conservative website run by uh, Ben Shapiro. By the way, I follow that website because there's some things I agree with on uh, with Ben and some of his commentators, and there are some things I don't necessarily agree with, but... There was a story about uh, the uh, uh, Minnesota legislator wanting to put uh, tampons in boys' restrooms in uh, in uh, schools, and uh, Tony Dungy tweeted a response that would have only been been seen on by anybody following the Daily Wire or Tony Dungy, I guess, uh, about how like they want to put kitty litter in the bathrooms because some students act like cats. There was a story floating around about that last year, and apparently it was erroneous. For the time being. And, uh, of course, some people got upset and he deleted it. This tweet is now deleted. Greg Doyle, uh, not agreeing with Tony Dungy, basically launched into this huge tirade without a paywall. And that's the other thing, too. Greg Doyle likes to write things behind a paywall because uh, that's just how he is. They, they think you want to pay to, to read some of this stuff. But... There is no paywall for this article, but he uh, ripped into Tony Dungy being this big, huge bully for tweeting this. Uh, some, And I'm not even going to link this to the podcast page. I'll link to Greg Doyle's Twitter account just to give you an idea of who Greg Doyle is. And there is a link to that article if you want to sit through it. But directly now, I want you to kind of see the tweets, uh, uh, some of the things that he says, and uh, kind of get the feeling of self-righteousness this guy's got. But he basically uh, said that because of this dumb tweet that Tony Dungy put out, that uh, he's a bully, he's causing suicides, uh, then he starts making mention about uh, gay marriage, and this Ohio Republican who uh, switched opinions because his son was gay, even though this thing has nothing to do with gay marriage and everything to do with kitty litter and uh, tampons in boys' bathrooms and uh, basically was calling him out and he wants to shut him down. And uh, and that's the other thing, too, is when people tell you that cancel culture doesn't exist, it only doesn't exist when it fails. And so I kind of got from the uh, the thing is, like, this guy wants him off NBC Sports because of this. Doesn't matter that Tony Dungy uh, deleted the tweet. Doesn't matter that uh, he apologized for the tweet. He just wants him shut down. Okay, but... He's going into this, launching into this tirade to uh, to his uh, circus seals who clap to this crap about how Tony Dungy needs to be shut down, and you know, he and he's wondering why people are not following him. And it's just like, gee, who am I going to uh, like more, uh, the dude that brought us the Lombardi or well, this guy? And that's the that's basically the article. And um, let me ask you a question here: Who do you think is more of a bully? Um, in this this scenario, a guy who dumb, uh, tweets an erroneous dumb tweet, deletes it and apologizes, or a guy who attacks him on Twitter and in uh, print media has this distributed in uh, the uh, 17 newspapers that actually go out anymore, and on a on a uh, major website without a paywall. 
who's coming off as more of a brow beater here? Okay. And, and yeah, okay, so Tony Dungy's following this Daily Wire thing. But Greg Doyle, this uh, this uh, guy that writes for a mainstream <laughs> newspaper here in the state, before he goes into all this stuff, he retweets a story attacking Tony Dungy for this and for going to like a uh, right to life uh, uh, meeting or whatever uh, from the nation, which is far left. So it, this whole attack from uh, Doyle is from the left. And it just, it's crazy, some of this crap. Look, he's apologized. Move on. It's a dumb tweet. Move on. Greg Doyle can't do this. And, of course, Greg Doyle has also uh, tweeted and wrote, written some great things about how, like, uh, Jeff Saturday's hire was a great thing. Remember that? Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, like, he was ex uh, excited that Jim Irsay hired a dude with two years high school coaching experience as an interim coach. And he also wrote this stupid... Uh, moralizing thing about uh, you remember when jerry jones got in trouble for being a high school student during uh, uh the uh the end of uh, segregation in schools when uh, they're breaking down that barrier and there's a picture of him in arkansas high school with these students uh going in and uh lebron james was being asked why why is your former teammate and uh you know somebody that you are rumored to want to play with again why is he uh things against the Jews. And LeBron is like, well, how come nobody's asking me about Jerry Jones? Well, nobody, you've never played with Jerry Jones. That's why they're asking you this. Uh, Greg Doyle also wrote an article about this. And uh, some of the stuff that was in this editorial was like, did you happen to know that I'm on LeBron's side? Hey, great. Anybody would like to leave a legacy, right? If my attitude in these pages since 2014 has been so obvious, if my legacy is one of being consistently, repeatedly, dependently open to the idea that we should treat all people equally. Well, thank you. Consider my day made. What's your legacy? This dude actually freaking wrote this crap. Like, he thinks very highly of himself. Also, as a member of the media, I'm kind of disappointed in all these reporters, too. As someone who dunked on the Kyrie retweet but didn't think too much about that 57 picture of Jerry Jones, I'm absolutely disappointed in myself. This is called introspection. It can be uncomfortable. Well, it's very uncomfortable to uh, read you patting yourself on the back. So there's that. Uh, but uh, Greg Doyle is not the only member of the sports media that has irked me here. Um, what what else? The um, uh, okay. So earlier this week in Philadelphia, they had Pride Night. Um, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. They uh, during warmups had the uh, the rainbow pride shirts okay and uh if you are act, if you're actually for it and you're not uncomfortable wearing the shirt i have no problem with you wearing the shirt i don't want you to wear things that you don't want to wear uh but the sports media got mad because i ivan uh, provorov um and i and i'm sorry i'm not a big hockey guy i'm probably not pronouncing that right he decided not to wear the jersey or the shirt because of his uh, Russian Orthodox beliefs. And believe it or not, there are various church sects out there with differing opinions about the Bible. And his church happens to believe that man and woman is the way to go. And of course, the sports media got upset calling uh, calling this uh, not progress and uh, we've gone so far now we're going backwards just because a guy wears a shirt. And the thing is, 
is uh, the pro the pro rainbow shirt brigade is like, well, if it's just it's just a shirt, just wear it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if it's just a shirt, uh, why do you care if somebody's wearing it or not? Um, and it got me thinking about two things here: uh, the the concept of open ballot, and it's something uh, that's uh, that uh, you know uh, governments do, like out in D.C. Uh, and it's something that unions do. And it's basically, look, they don't care what you believe. They just want the vote. They just want the optics. And they really don't care if Provorov is pro-gay or not. They just want them to wear the shirt. So when there is that conversation down the road where, okay, whatever it may be, they can go, well, you know, all the Philadelphia Flyers supported it. They wore the shirts. Really? I mean, was that really in their hearts or minds? Do you care what's in their hearts and minds now you just care what's on the shirt because it shows that you care it's uh, the old bill cosby line and i know it's not uh, politically correct to reference bill cosby anymore but women don't care to hear what you think they just want to hear what they think in a deeper voice and that's what the sports media is and they and uh, that brings me to study point number two about the sports media here um they have basically become that one Seinfeld episode where you don't wear the ribbon. Uh, you know, the, I think there's that age walk in that one episode. Uh, Kramer didn't want to wear the ribbon, and uh, uh, he gets cornered in the alley. And uh, you know, I think there's this gay couple. They're like, "You don't want to wear the ribbon," and it just it reminds me of that episode. People getting obsessed about the ribbons and the shirts, and if you're not wearing the ribbons and the shirts, you're worse than Hitler. And it's just like you guys are the ones that are marching uniformly here. Um, you know, it's just it's kind of an odd irony. And again, I'm the, I, I'm not against gay marriage. I you know, I believe if you're an adult, you're a taxpayer. Uh, you're in a consenting adult relationship. You don't break any laws. You're okay in my book. Um, but when you become a condescending ass, like in the sports media, uh, that's when you irk me. And just this whole week has been weird. And, and we'll wrap it up, because this thing went a lot longer than I thought it was going to on uh, sports media. And normally this isn't really a sports talk show, but uh, I guess this past week uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. And just to show you how great LeBron is, uh, the, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies got into a little scuffle not with LeBron, not with anybody on the Lakers per se, uh, but with the uh, resident Fox Sports asshat Shannon Sharp, uh, because uh, they started just you know shit talking. There was this shit talking. They were getting mad at him because he said something to uh, one of the players, and they were like, "No, dude, no, no. and he was like, "Oh yeah, you don't want the smoke, man. I, I I bring fire. Some 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 idiotic thing. I don't know." But, you know, they, they escorted Shannon Sharp out. He came back out because he's Shannon Sharp. If this was anybody else, they wouldn't be allowed back into uh, the you know the arena. But because he's a Lakers fan and he's well-known, they let him back in. And LeBron's like, hey, man, I got his back. Thank you. I'm like, really? LeBron James has had people thrown out of games before for chanting at him and for making him feel sad. And here you have the Memphis Grizzlies in town, and this uh, well-to-do sports barker uh, talks shit to them, and uh, he gets to stay. You know, he starts up a fight because, you know, he's Shannon Sharp, and of course he hosts uh, a show with another douchebag in the uh, in the morning, uh, with Skip Bayless, who's probably crying about the Cowboys right now. You know, and I made this po uh, point in the last podcast, basically uh, these, these sports talk shows... 
like uh, Undisputed or Pardon My Butt, um, you know, on Fox Sports, on ESPN, doesn't matter. They're basically shows for, uh, they're basically the view for men. You know, it, it's just a bunch of opinions of bitter people and, and it's for the unemployed. Whereas, okay, this this podcast is kind of bitter, but you can listen to it anytime you want. And if you got a job, I feel like I'm doing my job. So help, help and keep things great. Um, oh, by the way, I'm... What, what what do I want to wrap up here with? I guess we'll wrap it up with James Cameron being right again. Uh, he has now got not one, but two, not three. He's got three movies that have eclipsed $2 billion. I guess Avatar 2 is a success, even though uh, he never really needed $2 billion to break even. But uh, both this one and the original Avatar plus Titanic are, you know, multi-billion dollar movies. And uh, he, you don't have to worry about this guy ever eating again. He'll be okay. Uh, you know, it, there, there's some part, like, it took me about 20 years to finally sit down and watch Titanic. And I thought, eh, that was all right. I mean, spectacularly well built. But, like, the story itself is just like, meh. And I'm not really interested in seeing the Avatar movies. But the guy's making his own thing. Uh, he does have an audience. You gotta commend him for that. So, uh, kudos to you for uh, proving both Hollywood wrong and, uh, uh, you know, Hollywood media wrong and even me wrong. So, okay, whatever. I still like uh, the first two Terminator movies. Even though it's got guns in it, uh, I still love those movies. Alright, with that all said and done, uh, I'm done. Until here in a couple days. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 